listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome to episode number 205. We have a new co-general manager at Rocket Pro and special correspondent Tony Gabagool will join us to talk RPW Resolution. Vic Capri will be receiving yet another Hall of Fame induction later this year. And Freelance Wrestling is set to kick off 2024 with a bang this weekend. Plus, we welcome for the first time, the first and only Freelance Triple Crown Champion. And you've also seen him at Second Wrestling and Freelance Underground. And he's part of Fox's new game show, The Floor. He's wrestling veteran, Darren Corbin. You get all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Good to go. It's your boy, FTC, Frank the Clown here. And you are listening or doing something with your ears to the Windy City Slam Podcast. Frank the Clown's been a guest a couple of times. Will I be a guest again? Well, I don't know. Get the check ready, Mike. <laughs> Attention! Windy City Slam is looking for a few good tag team partners to advertise on Windy City Slam Podcast and WindyCitySlam.com. Get your product or service notice with pro wrestling fans. Affordable rates that fit your budget. Message us on Facebook, X, or Instagram, or email Mike Pankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. Hey, this is Trevor Outlaw, but you bozos can address me as you are as rudely, and you're listening to the... Windy City Slam podcast, and you can check it out every Tuesday. Oh, wait, I've been on this like five times. I should know this by now. Either way, not getting paid enough for this. Windy City Slam podcast, check it out on Tuesdays, and you never know when Trevor Outlaw is going to be back. Back here on Windy City Slam podcast, let's take a look back at Saturday, January the 6th, this past Saturday night. Pow Entertainment presented New Year's meetings at the American Legion in Fox Lake. And this recap is courtesy of POW Entertainment on Facebook. Psychotic Jimmy Blaze announced Eric Freedom as the new POW Entertainment Commissioner. And in match action, it's your boy, Mason Perks, defeated Mateo Valentine as Moondog Murray played mind games with Mateo. Tommy McCobb knocks off Trog the Caveman. Axel Abrao defeats frontman Jay Scutt. For the POW Tag Team Championships, the Irish Bob Army retain over the reckoning with Chris Hedford. Be interesting to see if this battle and this feud continues between these two teams. The POW Heavyweight Champion Kazile called out Jimmy Blaze and relinquished the old title belt and debuted a new heavyweight championship. Back in ring action, we had Amina Belmont defeating Shelly the Bombshell Benson, Will Emery defeat Sharpshooter James Creed, and then the Brothers of Construction defeat the top Latinos. And in the main event for the POW Midwest Championship, Acid Jazz with Chris Hedford of The Reckoning defeating 
Vic Capri, who was subbing for Yanni GQ, and Axel Rico, when Jazz pinned Rico after a controversial ending. Then, Commissioner Freedom made a match next month of Axel Rico versus Acid Jazz for the Midwest Championship. And finally, Jimmy Blaze announced that Vic Capri will be inducted into the POW Entertainment Hall of Fame at WrestleRage 22 in November. Now we're going to go ahead and move on to this past Saturday night. Rocket Pro Wrestling presented Resolution at St. Joseph Park in Joliet. And to join us to recap that event is the lovely Intoxicated Men's and Windy City Slam podcast correspondent, Mr. Tony Gabagool. How you doing? What do you hear? What do you say, Mike? Happy New Year to you, sir. And Happy New Year to all the Windy City Slam fans who are joining us on this podcast. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Now, looking forward to hearing some of the events that went down at Rocket Pro. And there's a new co-general manager. So why don't you just go ahead and get into that? Let's jump right into it. That was actually the opening of Resolution. So the great and powerful, the beautiful Italian hero, the CFO of RPW, Shelly, she comes down to the ring. She brought some muscle with her in the form of Nuke, Marche Rocket, Maximus Orion. Now, before I get to the co-GM, I got to let the fans know, Marche Rocket let us, uh, let us know that his partner, Shogun, he did not make it to the arena. No one's heard from Shogun. Where's he at? So Marche would be looking for a partner for the main event throughout the show. Now let's get into the nitty gritty with uh, Miss Shelley. She brought out Damian Saint and she let him know your co-GM is none other than the Amazing Turtle. Yes, you heard it here first, Mike. The new co-GM at Rocket Pro Wrestling is the Amazing Turtle. And he got right down to business. First order of business, he made some proclamations, okay? No more undeniable interference in these matches. Unless you're booked in the match or your name is Jayback the Bounce Check, you are not to be at ringside. Second order of business is the Amazing Turtle wanted to make things a little more fair for Gunner Brave and his handicap bout. So the Amazing Turtle became the special referee for that match. And the third order of business, he gave a gut check kick and a stunner to Mr. Saint. Happy New Year, Damien. So like I said, match one is the handicap bout. It was Kings of the Six, Skylar Reed and Devin August taking on Gunner Brave. Now Gunner was able to survive in this match. And he showed our neighbors to the north that he is the king of the north. Okay. He did not cash in the rocket to the top briefcase. So I won't leave your fans hanging or waiting throughout this episode. So he still has that. Now at the end of this match, the undeniable they did not follow Turtles' rules. There was a run-in. There was a beatdown. The generational treasure, Shaq Jordan, came out to pick up the assist. And those guys cleared the ring of the undeniable. In match two, we had Hartenbauer and Bucky Collins taking on those damn coyotes, Brooks Berna and Damian Deshane, in a tag team bout. Now, last night, I don't know if you knew this, it was the one-year anniversary of Water Bottle Mania, okay? And when Brooks Burner came out, he threw his water bottle across the RPW galaxy. Truly amazing to see. It was like Sputnik flying through there. <laughs> now, TDC, they failed to read the table of contents. And what I mean by that is these guys weren't on the same page. You see, DeShane accidentally elbows Burner in the head, costing them the match. So Hartenbauer was able to pick up the pinfall victory. And... uh Well, 
it's a new year, but it's the same old TDC. They're falling apart. Yeah. In match three, we had a triple threat bout for the Inter-County Championship. And that is the reigning, defending, suburban German, Joseph Von Jaeger, taking on his longtime friend, Jesus DeSafio, and the Ryan Matthews. Now, Mike, these are three future talents of this business. Each guy shined in the match. But ultimately, a little bit of distraction might have led to JVJ retaining his title. And what I mean by distraction, when Ryan Matthews was starting to get a leg up in the match, there was a lightning strike. There was thunder. I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, the sun and the air. Maximus Orion's about to come down here. But it was just a quick, quick thunderbolt, you know, nothing crazy. So JVJ was able to retain his championship with a pinfall uh, over Ryan Matthews. Now, at the end of this match, here's some juicy tea for you. Jesus DeSafio attacks his best friend, JVJ. I can't believe it. Oh, wow. Starting off the year with some drama, boys. Now, in match four, we had the old bastard. Oh, I mean, old evil. Sorry, old evil Christian Rhodes taking on Connor Hopkins, who is the he's the Outer Limits champion. Okay, and this, this match was for the championship. This was a hell of a match, Mike. These guys were going shot for shot like the LIM does, kicking each other in the back, putting submissions on one another, but they were able to fight out of it. So the match goes almost 20 minutes, but unfortunately, it ended in a disqualification when Rose struck the referee. Now, after the match was over, something very interesting happened. The two other TDC members came to the ring, and on one side of the ring, we had Berna standing next to Rose, facing off against Hopkins and DeShane. I sense there's a TDC civil war that's about to go down. Mm, wow. So we're going to have to stay tuned and see what developments come with that. Now, match five, I got to put in a disclaimer because the match was originally promoted as a fatal four-way with the winner being the number one contender for the RPW championship. However, Damian Saint came down to let the fans know that Steve Michaels would not be making it to the show. So Turtle also came out and said, whoever wins in this match will go on to face Steve Michaels next month at Cupid's Carnage, and the winner of that bout next month will be the number one contender for the R RPW championship. So the, the men that we did see wrestle in this match was Eric Schultz, Shaq Jordan, and Koa Loxamana. It was great to see Koa back in RPW. In this match, we saw something pretty crazy. So Eric Schultz drags Koa over to the entranceway, and he hits a pile driver on Koa. But Koa's head goes through Eric Schultz's briefcase. Now, I did take a look, Mike. The briefcase was empty. I've been telling you for months, this guy has no clients. I knew that briefcase was empty. But then Eric Schultz, he takes his briefcase, and he hits Koa's manager. Are you familiar with her? Yes, Kalis. Yes. Kalis. He hits her across the back. Now, you never hit a woman. What kind of coward is this guy? Yeah, that's crazy. So Koa gets a little retribution towards the end of the match. He hits a Hurricane Rana. He goes up to the top rope, hits a flying elbow onto Eric Schultz, and Koa picks up the victory. So next month, we will see Koa going up against Steve Michaels. Now, before I leave this match, I also want to say that uh, Kalise, she was able to get in some shots on Eric Schultz. Guess what, Schultz? Results with a Z, it does matter, okay? 
Now, moving on to match six, we had Maximus Orion taking on the RPW champion, the Dreambreaker, Aaron Stone. In my opinion, and from what I can tell, I feel like this was a big match for Maximus Orion, right? This would mean a lot if he was able to win the RPW championship. His family owns the business, okay? It seems like maybe he's been chasing this title for a number of years. But unfortunately, the undeniable interfered. They can't follow rules. We've come to know this. So, Turtle, you got to step it up, buddy. You got to, I don't know what you got to do, put up a fence or something. So when they interfered, Shaq Jordan came out again. This guy is like the undeniable slayer. He's also the light slayer. They beat down those undeniable bastards and they cleared the ring. Now, I do have to say, well, my notes say this, and I don't know where I got this from, but the match was brought to us by Jimmy Kimmel. Fantastic. <laughs> match number seven, the main event of the night. It was Death Grip going up against Marche and a mystery opponent. And for the fans who aren't familiar with Death Grip, it was Paulie Tomaselli and the human highlight reel, Acid. So Marche comes down. He still doesn't have a partner. And then we hear some familiar music come up. The ringmaster appears. Oh, my God. Just talking about it, I'm getting chills. The ringmaster brought a surprise with him, and that surprise was Machine. Wow, what a fearsome, scary individual that Machine is. These four guys went for almost a half hour. Okay, I'm no official timekeeper, but I'm pretty sure it was a half hour. I had a few old styles in there. And what they were able to do was put on a an, an fantastic match. At one point, Paulie grabs a microphone, a live mic, and he's talking smack about Marche and saying he doesn't care about RPW. That's why he's over in NWA. He could care less about you guys. Oh, and Shogun, he's too good to show up. But ultimately... Marche was able to overcome that psychology in the ring, and he was able to pick up the win for him and Machine. Now, as Marche stood in the ring, holding up his RPW Tag Team Championship, waving to the fans, spreading cheer, the youth gone wild come bursting through the barricade, right where we were sitting. Pretty scary. Now, youth gone wild, they, they hop into the ring, they attack Marche from behind, and Tom Heisman of the Youth Gone Wild, he gets a mic, and he kind of hints that he knows why Shogun didn't make it to the show. I don't know if they caught him in the parking lot or where they got him, but you know there's going to be some consequences for this Youth Gone Wild, and I don't know if you thought about that. So will the Youth Gone Wild challenge the final level in the coming months? We shall see. Got to stay tuned. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, Mike. The next show is Cupid's Carnage. It'll be on February 3rd. Our doors open at 4 and the bell time is at 5. Fans are going to want to be there to see Aaron Stone defending his RPW championship against public enemy number one, Eric Dillinger. And Dillinger made an appearance during the last Rocket Pro season. It was, I believe, against Gunner Brave, right? It was. They had the... Uh, I want to say it was a hardcore match. Mm -hmm. It was very hardcore. A lot of barbed wire. Uh, so yeah, that was Cupid's Carnage last year. For anybody who's interested, it's on YouTube. Yeah, and that's uh, Dillinger's specialty as well as the hardcore deathmatch scene. So we'll we'll see what he pulls off. Can he can he beat the uh, the reigning defending champion Aaron Stone, or mm -hmm. will his dreams be broken? I was at an Aaron Stone match up 
in Winthrop Harbor last summer where he and Leo LaFleur fought Ghetto Girasal, and that match went all over this skate park that I was at. And, they, and Aaron Stone, I think, is going to be ready for this challenge. I think he's very much game for this. I think he's been prepped. He's had a lot of good competitors come up in the last few months, and he's showing us all that he does deserve to be champion. So looking forward to it. Yeah, he may be a technical guy, but he can also get uh, rough and tumble as well. Oh, yeah, and when he hits that frog splash, whoo. Hope you don't have a full stomach in that match, whoever's getting hit with that. All right, Tony, uh, get back to that gravy, and uh, we'll catch you down the line right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Take it easy. All right, one more event to talk about from this past weekend. It's a special contribution from High Five Tom of the Midwestern Wrestling Roundup. As this past Saturday night, January the 6th, We Love Wrestling Volume 2 brought everyone New Year's resolution all the way up in beautiful Pembine, Wisconsin, and this promotion is the brainchild of Tommy Trainwreck. To open the show, Chico Suave survived a six-man scrabble match against Onyx Andretti, Logan Myers, Gregor McCormick, one-man dynasty Darius Luttrell, and Sage Phillips. And then in a highlight match, two of the best in the Midwest, human highlight Isaiah Moore, Outlast's former Windy City Slam podcast guest, Quinn Wittick, and an early match of the year contender. Well, match of the year contender and Quinn Wittick seem very synonymous, and that guy's really, really good, and, and so is Isaiah Moore. We've seen a lot of him in AAW. Next, friends of High Five Tom, the outlaw Zach Hendricks, one half of Country Air, and Theory of Asian Unity, known as Team ICW Milwaukee, took on the team of Freak Show in six-man action. Team ICW won it, when Zack hit his big elbow on Jason Rage to get the pin. Then, all the way from New Jersey, CMD took on Twist and Flip, and in a great back-and-forth match, CMD gets the victory after Boone rolls up Flip for the pin. Say that five times fast. Next, the Giant, Samson, took on 1-800-SEXY-BOBBY-V in a grudge match from last month. Samson took a count-out win when Bobby V just had enough, and walked off. I mean, we all have those days, man. Just, I've had it with this, and I'm done. Then in a match that can main event just about anywhere, Justin Fowler took on Josh Crane and public enemy number one, Eric Dillinger. And to say this was a hard-hitting match was an understatement of epic proportions. In the end, Crane hits an elbow on Dillinger, where Dillinger's teeth went flying. Not literally, and not, not actually at all, but... High Five Tom says he's just kidding, but it was a really stiff shot. And I guess we were surprised that those teeth really didn't go flying. And then We Love Wrestling is back on February the 3rd. So thank you for High Five Tom for bringing us the results of We Love Wrestling. And coming up this weekend, Saturday night, January the 13th, Zawa presents Keep It Like a Secret at Parties on Pope in Nelson, Illinois. Also Saturday night, January the 13th, ARW presents Indiana Rampage at the American Legion 100 in Lake Station, Indiana. This is going to be their annual Royal Rumble-style match. Always a big event, always a big deal, always a future championship contender coming out of that match. And then, Saturday night, January the 13th, Freelance Wrestling presents Freelance Rhapsody at Logan Square Auditorium on the northwest side of Chicago. Catch it live on IWTV.live if you can't get tickets. And for the Freelance World Championship, and this is going to be a match of epic proportions, 
Storm Grayson defends against heavyweight hustle Calvin Tankman. And Storm Grayson getting it another big-time test from a former freelance underground champion. And Storm's reign has been awesome so far, and we'll see how his new attitude carries on through this match. And then with the Freelance Tag Team Championship is on the line as GPA and Laney defend against members only. In a grudge match, we have Matt Nix taking on Craig Mitchell, and Mitchell will be accompanied by James Russo. Coda Hernandez faces Wes Barkley as Coda Hernandez looks to continue his red-hot streak in freelance wrestling. As talked about on a recent episode of Windy City Slam Podcast, Alfonso Gonzalez takes on Dan the Dad, Isaiah Velasquez faces Chico Suave in a scramble match. A lot of great versatile talent in this one. Reagan Lydale versus Gunner Brave versus Sabin Gage versus the returning Trevor Outlaw versus Robbie Reeves and versus Angel Escalera. Great to see Angel back in the mix here at Freelance Wrestling. Like I said, a lot of great diverse talent in this match and this could be a show stealer as as any match on this show could be a show stealer, as it's an excellent card. And our guest this week, Darren Corbin, will not be defending the Freelance Legacy Championship as he is booked elsewhere, but he'll be back at Freelance next month. Also coming up this weekend, Sunday, January the 14th, Defiant Pro Wrestling presents Defying the Odds at St. Patrick Parish Hall in Dwight. And Sunday evening, Gali Lucha Libre presents La Hacienda Waukegan, and that show will take place at 5.30 up in Waukegan, and a couple of other events of note. I just want to share these now, as tickets are either just about to go on sale or just went on sale. SSW Horsepower 2 returns to Mahone Middle School in Kenosha, Wisconsin on Friday night, March the 8th. Tickets will go on sale this Friday night, January 12th at 7 p.m. Central Time on Eventbrite.com. And the reason why I mention this on-sale date for this show is because front row seats are going to go very, very quickly. And last year when they had Horsepower 1, floor seats went fairly fast as well. So you're going to want to get your tickets for this mega event in Kenosha, special fundraiser for the kids at Mahone Middle School. And Horsepower 2 features former WWE superstars Enzo and Kevin Thorne, a yet-to-be-announced AEW star, plus SSW Unified Champion Vic Capri, SNS Women's Champion Brooke Tanner, Salem Crane, Marche Rocket, Jordan Cross, Mr. Joe Ryan Cross, Shelly the Bombshell Benson, Big Al Alice Crowley, Dave Rydell, Dr. Jeff Luxon, Iron Mike Kirkhoff, and many more. And like I said, tickets are expected to move quickly, so you gotta act fast. Also, Ego Pro Wrestling, presented by Robert Ego Anthony, will take place at The Forge in downtown Joliet on Saturday night, March the 16th. And the show features the NWA's Brothers of Funstruction, Bangin' Matthews, Trevor Outlaw, Missa Kate, Sierra, Coda Hernandez, Chico Suave, Benny Vargas, Alfonso Gonzalez, and more. And tickets for Ego Pro Wrestling are now available at TheForgeLive.com. Alright, coming up in mere moments, the first and only freelance Triple Crown champion and participating on Fox's new game show, The Floor, Darren Corbin. Stay tuned. 
My name is Storm Grayson. I'm your freelance wrestling world champion, and you're listening to the Windy City Slam Podcast. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam Podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. SSW Tag Team Champion, the Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross, here live at the Broad South in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you are checking out my best friends over at Windy City Slam Podcast. Mike Pankow, you are the man. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, share, and everything else. And you can follow me at The Jordan Cross. I am the Punk Rock Prince. Thank you. Back here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So very excited to have this special guest on this week. A first-time guest right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. He's the first and only freelance Triple Crown champion. And you've also seen him at Second Wrestling and Freelance Underground. And he's a part of Fox's new game show, The Floor. He's 20-year wrestling veteran, Darren Corbin. Darren, how you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty well. I feel like this week especially, I've uh, you know, this has been a great start to 2024, and so uh, I'm on a I'm on a high right now. I'm I'm gonna say I'm I'm very excited for what this year has to bring. So you've been wrestling for 20 years, which blows my mind because I, I swear you just started yesterday, and you've had a pretty amazing career to this point. Many titles won, many no- notable names, both alongside and across the ring from you. So how does it feel to be a 20 year veteran? It's weird. Uh, so, like, my my official 20th anniversary, uh, Wrestleversary, is going to be on April 11th. So, like, April 11th, 2024, that is when I had my first match. You know, I, I always joked about when you would feel old. And now that I'm in the locker room with people who are were born after my first match, that's where it started to really sink in, where I was like, this, uh, oh, boy. Yeah, I've been doing this for a while. Because the weird thing is when you start, you know, like, again, I still remember how I felt when I started wrestling and when I got into everything. And you just always feel like the new guy, the young guy, like everything's a new opportunity. You're just like, hey, how are you, you know, like trying to introduce yourself and hoping that people take notice of you. And then there's like a pivot point where like another group of people will like come in and they'll take care of it or whatever. And they'll be the new guys and and they'll do all that. And then the from then on, it's just like, you just keep sticking around. And uh, Jerry Lynn gave me the best advice. He said that longevity is uh, literally like your best friend in pro wrestling. Like the, the more that you can do, you never know what's around the corner. So if you have a long career and you can stick around and uh, I learned to enjoy the longevity, that was the biggest thing. I learned to make things for me, what I would enjoy with wrestling. That was kind of the big thing that I've really grown into I feel when you start, you're just looking for experience. You're looking for all this. You're looking to do this, this, and this, and this, and get your name out there. And then eventually you get to a point where you get to kind of like make work wrestling work for you. And you have these opportunities and you get to see the world and like, what's your goal? And what are, what are the things that still excite you? So it's, it's odd 
you know, because I I don't feel old. Let me put it that way. I don't. I wouldn't consider myself an old guy. And like in my opinion, like I'm turning forty this year. And like when I started, the guys who were forty looked a lot worse off than I did. So uh, you know, I I, I kind of feel like it's it's a weird spot to be in. So, uh, but you know, I'll embrace it. I'll, I'll embrace being a twenty year vet. Yeah, Darren, like I said at the top, you are the first and only man ever to be freelance wrestling triple crown champion. And for the fans out there, that means holding the freelance world championship, the freelance tag team championship, and the freelance legacy championship, which you recently won to complete that triple crown. You took it off of Brian Keith in a triple threat match that also included August Matthews. So where did you rank this accomplishment among the many feasts you have achieved in your career so far? Well, I, you know, like, again, winning a championship is always a big thing, no matter what you do, no matter wherever you go. However, to be around enough and be versatile enough to be the guy that ends up winning every championship or at least representing that company through different phases of either your career or their existence. That's one of the biggest things. But to be the first of anything, nobody can take that away from you. The interesting thing about freelance is the first championship I ever won was the freelance championship. And I had that reign. That was my first one with freelance. And then I moved into a role with, with Bucky Collins and then, you know, the take it home wreckers. We had a great reign as uh, freelance wrestling tag champions. And then I feel I'm in another resurgence or another little recap here, a little like revamping myself. And like, I had to look at what I had done at freelance, my body of work. And where do I go from here? This has allowed me to feel rejuvenated, which is great. You know, obviously like a competitor like Brian Keith, you know, again, I could say all the things like, again, for somebody who's gone toe to toe with Brian, who's been beaten up by Brian, shot by Brian, kicked by Brian. I could say and echo everything about how talented he is. Like, all you got to do is search his name on the internet or watch when he's on TV. Everybody, universally, will say how good Brian is. So to end his epic reign, to go to me, that's a major shift. That's a big accomplishment. But like I said, no one can take away when you're the first of anything. And that match, I've always said, that triple threat match, which I'm not a big triple threat guy, but that triple threat match is probably one of my favorite matches I've ever had in Logan Square. It has a lot to do with the freelance crowd. The, the crowd at Logan Square is unmatched. But it was also, I really enjoyed the match. And I think the three of us, when you think of like August Matthews too, who, you know, you're generally used to as a tag wrestler, which, you know, again... I started my career in tag teams. I've had numerous tag partners, numerous tag championships held with different partners. So it was good to showcase everybody. And I thought we had a very different match. So that, that match really stands out to me. And actually, personally, I think that might be one, uh, might be my favorite match that I had all last year. You've been an integral part of freelance since its early days about a decade or so ago. So what do you think of the evolution of the freelance wrestling brand over that time? Well, that was, that was always something big for me. So when I started at Freelance, the thing that I liked about Freelance or appealed to me about Freelance is the heart that that company had. I knew the opportunities, like what it was, is it was a chance for a lot of those guys who at the time were young, a lot of those guys who hadn't had a chance to really go anywhere and break out, who were doing pre-show matches everywhere, like hoping, hoping to make a main card. 
get a chance to shine. And that was appealing to me because I remember being in that spot. And then eventually I wanted to be that guy that would help get people to that level. So like, that's what it, uh, it really pulled me into freelance. And I've been very honest in the past about how, uh, like when I worked at, at AAW, like towards the end of that, uh, my time there was, I, I mean, it was uneventful. Uh, I, I know I wasn't appreciated there. I know that, uh, you know, I wasn't considered really a member of that roster towards the end. So the deal was, is I was looking for something that would, you know, interest me i get you know like something you, you just don't want to go it's like checking in and punching a clock and, and not enjoying it and so for that going there to chicago to do something that like seemed uninspiring or just an afterthought for a long time really was disheartening for me so when i got to freelance and i had something to be excited about and and when freelance started i was there semi-regular but there came a big shift where I really wanted the opportunity to showcase what I could do on a more regular basis. And I honestly was in a, a shift myself where I uh, had just lost like two set bookings for companies that had ceased running, that were running monthly. I was doing Paragon Pro Wrestling in Las Vegas that was doing, uh, had a short stint on TV at, uh, on Pop TV. Mm-hmm. And I was also doing a promotion in North Dakota. And then eventually at the same time, they dried up and I, I was left with really nothing. So the opportunity was for me to really take, I wouldn't say take a chance on myself, but sell myself as somebody who could be a part of a company. And and that's what I did. I actually, I went and I talked with everybody who I felt was uh, kind of running, you know, like had a position to make that work. And I, and I talked to, uh, them and I said, look, here's the deal. I want to be here every month. What do we need to do to make this something? You know that I really like your business model. I really like your mission statement, you know, if you will. What can I do to be a part of this? And I'll always remember this and I brought it up before, but the thing was, is at the time, uh, one of the guys, I think his name was Jack, he said, uh, he goes, okay, he said, cool, so we'll have you come in, but how do we get you over? And I said, all you got to do is give me a microphone for five minutes, and I will be just fine. And uh, we got to start running with a lot. And I really, I mean, granted, I got a really, a lot of really good opportunities, but some of the biggest compliments that I got were from a lot of the guys in the locker room that were like, man, we haven't seen, like, that side of Darren Corbin, or we haven't seen like that workhorse Corbin come out again, or like some of the stuff that they were like, I didn't know you could do that. And it was really cool to have a spot that allowed me the freedom to do that. And I didn't feel shackled. I didn't feel like an afterthought. I was actually given an opportunity. Now you were a part of that gauntlet match that Storm Grayson had to run nearly a year ago in order for Storm to win that freelance world championship. So what do you think of the job Storm has done in evolving and becoming a legitimate champion there? Well, I so here's my thing on Storm. First of all, kudos to him because uh not only was the run pretty epic, I mean, like it was great. It, watching a local homegrown talent achieve that moment, that's special. Anybody knows that. And he did that. But he's also had a moment taken away from him as champion. You know, he this is his second reign, technically. Mm-hmm. So at any point, he could have, that was it. He could have just been like, look, I had my chance. I had my time to shine. This is not the way that, they, that it was supposed to go. But I did it. 
And he could have just rested on that. But he found a way to crawl back up and climb back up, and he wasn't going to be stopped. And here he was, uh, willing to fight, willing to, you know, like put all his, uh, put everything he had into that goal again. And I think the second time coming up is harder than the first, actually, to re- recoup what you lost. And he did. And, and I mean, he beat me, he beat GPA. Like, I mean, so. It's not like his track record. I mean, like you, you on paper and and what he's done, absolutely, he's done a great job. My deal is is a little piece of advice from a veteran who's been around in this world. Stop trying to make them like you. Like, stop mm-hmm. trying to let them influence what you do. You're walking around with a chip on your shoulder, and take it from me. If you continue to try and shove it in their face, you will let your guard down, and you will drop that championship that you meet that means so much to you. Because you're going to worry about what everyone else thinks, and you're going to have this goal of proving them wrong when your ultimate goal should just be holding that championship to be the best freelance wrestling champion that you could be in history. That's that's what he should do. Because the legacy of that championship has a lot of real top contenders. So if he wants to stand out, he's got to just block that all out. He's just got to do it for him, not for anybody else. And no matter what, when you say that you're, you're doing it for your own, screw you, screw that, that's your motivation. And I am the first one to get sidetracked and distracted with how people react. I live off of it. Storm does not live off of that yet. He might get there, but he doesn't live off of it yet. He lets it live inside of him. He needs to switch and play it up. But right now, the rain that he's on, it's great. Now, what happens if we have another one-on-one match? Well, it might be a different story. And we might be talking about another two-time freelance wrestling champion. So, but either way, right now, he's doing a great job. He's a young kid. He'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. He's doing, he's on a good run though. And I think he's in a good spot. Yeah, he's getting very close to being a guy that a lot of people think will be signing at some point very soon with a bigger company. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a great look. He's, uh, you know, he's in shape. He's got, and again, I think the deal is, is what he'll do is he'll continue to hone his craft and what he needs is that confidence boost. And with every win, he'll get it. And so if he moves on to bigger and better things, kudos to him. That's absolutely, that's the goal. And I'll be proud of him. I'll be happy for him. But if he plans on going to big and better things, like he's not taking that championship. Let's just say that. Now, speaking of moving on to other things, second wrestling a promotion that just celebrated two years of existence, and you seem to have gotten on the bad side of the promoter, Rabbi Jeremy Fine. For instance, at the second anniversary show last month, not only did you have to wrestle Jack Cartwheel, you also got fed to WWE and NWA legend, The Warlord. So what is your issue with Rabbi Fine? I don't think there is. I never had an issue with him other than the fact he's annoying. Uh, That's the big, my issues or everything stems back from before second wrestling. So a a long time ago, let me feed in some history here. Obviously, first wrestling is probably my home promotion. That's the Mm -hmm. biggest thing. So first wrestling, I, again, I am the benchmark at, everyone's going to say it's Eric Cannon, but screw Eric Cannon. Forget Eric Cannon. I'm the one who keeps that company afloat. That's the deal. So I'm the most noticeable, recognizable. I'm the person that when my music hits, they know it. Every time they look forward to me, whether they admit it or not. But Jeremy Fine wanted to get involved. Rabbi Fine wanted to get involved and wanted to bring wrestling to a synagogue that was up there. And we did some collaborations. 
with him at those events. They were great. They were wonderful events, great crowd, new crowd for us. But since day one, he let first wrestling and like Eric Cannon's opinions weigh him down. He let that all, uh, he, he just basically, he just followed into it. He never took a chance to get to know me. He never talked about my goals or what I wanted. He just saw me as an easy target. He was like, oh, this is the guy that they love to hate. This is my chance to get over with my congregation, with my crowd. So he used me as a way or thought he was going to use me as a way. And I don't appreciate it. Now, fast forward a little bit. We have our little like spats and like run-ins and whatever. And, you know, he tries to have his fun in Minnesota and then he goes to Chicago. And just like any ambitious idiot, he decides that he wants to start his own promotion. So he wants to begin his own promotion. So second wrestling begins. And of course, if you're going to start a promotion and you're looking at what you need, you'd be silly not to use me. So that's the biggest thing. So he, he brings me along because he knows that at least he's got a natural like intrigue. He's got, you can't have good without evil. So he brings me along. Now, of course, I could have rejected this opportunity, but I thought this would be a great opportunity. I thought for me, this would be great if I were able to humiliate him in his new city. Like, sure, he goes and he's on to like this new world. But if his path seems to follow him and ruins this for him, that'd be great. That's a that's a feather in my cap. But of course, we continue on and he just keeps getting more he wants to get more involved in things he doesn't understand he's a rabbi why is he involved in pro wrestling rings why is he trying to get involved with me on the bike why is he trying to get involved in my matches he got way too close one time so i gave him a ginger snap now mm -hmm. anybody logically would just stay away his family wondered if he was okay. Many members of his congregation sent him messages, gift baskets, were wondering what happened to him. He said he had a sore neck, had to go to the chiropractor, physical therapy, all this stuff. And why is that? Not to downplay my ginger snap, because I know a lot of people use the cutter, but let's face it, when I do it, it's a finish. And the thing is, is when you're not trained to be a pro wrestler, I'm coming on your, like, I'm pulling your neck down. Like, you don't know, you're not used to that. You're not used to, and that's what happened. And so he gets in my way, but he continuously wants to poke the bear. And as long as I'm going to keep coming down, as long as I'm going to keep going to second wrestling, I'm going to make it my personal business to make sure this all backfires on Jeremy Fine. So again, Jack Cartwheel, excellent talent. We have this match. That's great. But I get silly string by his family. So now his family's getting involved. Then he gets the warlord in there where I have to wrestle an impromptu match right after this against the warlord. So now I have to deal with that. And, and the other thing that's hanging over my head is I've never seen eye to eye with any of the decisions that Rabbi Fine seems to make. Like, why am I not like who he's deciding to use, uh, who he's giving opportunities to all this stuff. So now I have all 2024 where his brain just gets to work for months on end to have matches for me for his own enjoyment. Like I'm a giant like action figure that he keeps getting to have his own leisure with. It's like every like 10 year old's dream. That's what he's doing right now. He second wrestling and me is basically 10 year old Jeremy Fine's dream where an e-fed come to life. That's what it is. So 
I have Effie coming up at the next uh, event. Now, Effie and I are no strangers to each other. I actually welcome this match. I don't welcome what I think shenanigans could happen. And every time I've been against Effie, something crazy has always gone down. I mean, like, first of all, a lot of the times it's no rules. So, I mean, I have a giant scar on my forehead from the time I had to visit the emergency room because I had nine stitches put in my head from a cookie sheet that he hit me with. We've had, you know, all sorts of, like, this is just going to be another chat. I'm actually, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. I always do. But I I really would look more forward to Rabbi Fine just giving me the championship match that I always wanted. But we all know he's not going to do that. Yeah, once again, that match with Effie, which you just mentioned, will be Sunday, February 4th at Second Wrestling's Tribal Instincts at Home Bar in Arlington Heights. That's going to be a doozy, as I put in my notes. I, I use that adjective because uh, Rabbi Fine is kind of manipulating you into those matches. <laughs> I mean, if he, if if I, am I going to have to wrestle Effie and then after that match have to wrestle somebody else that's from like the 80s or whatever? Like that, he just ran, I don't, and that's the other thing, too. Like, how many matches is he expecting me to wrestle tonight? Because we got to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Now, moving on. Being a native of the Twin Cities area, you have a long history of working Chicagoland area shows, including Freelance, Freelance Underground, AAW, which you mentioned earlier, Black Label Pro, and Dreamwave, to just name a few. So what do you think of working in front of a Chicago wrestling crowd and what Chicago brings to these shows? So the funny, you know, a lot of my first memories of wrestling – uh, branching out of Minnesota, like uh, I always said, I wanted to go you know, elsewhere. I don't, I didn't want to be a local guy. I, I, I like wrestling, so the first times I branched out were IWA Mid South, and you know, like again, my introduction to a lot of it was the TPIs and the King of the Death matches and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Also, the talent coming through was amazing at that time. And then if you just kind of keep going and you split, like first of all. Uh, you know, I was not around at the time of like a lot of the like Windy City Pro, you know, like that I never was coming down for at, at that time. But there's a long, rich history of a steel CM Punk cabana way before my time, too. So it was a whole it was my first introduction, what I believe, first introduction to a new market, a new like crowd base. Uh, Minnesota's especially when I broke in, has that strong tie, that feeling of AWA, uh, I would say. So this was a little different. I felt like maybe a little bit more progressive. And every single promotion that I've wrestled for has given me like a different, like a different style change, a different mindset, a different skill that I've really adapted to. And, uh, and I've always allowed to hone my craft. Chicago is the first spot. Honestly, uh, I always give Ian Rotten credit for this. Chicago is the first spot where I gained confidence on the microphone. Uh, Ian was the first one to really give me the microphone on a regular basis. When I went to AAW, it was the first time that I kind of learned at, you know, again, starting off was my value because we were, we were hand-selected to come over Cannon, Ryan Cruz, myself. I worked with Joey Eastman, one of my best friends in pro wrestling. So, like, we had great opportunities. It was my first time getting a monthly spot where i felt like i had the ability to build a, a story build something more than just a match going to freelance uh we just talked about all that stuff being a dream way of getting to be in a whole nother you know a whole nother uh blend of crowd another blend of talent 
that was always the cool thing too, is I feel like if you look at certain eras, you might not be able to put your finger on it, but you might be able to actually understand if you're like, oh yeah, that he was a Chicago guy. He was mostly on the North side. He's mostly on the South side. He did a little stuff through the Midwest, you know, like stuff like that. And there's a lot of guys who are incredibly talented, amazing talents out of Chicago. And then you have the guys that I talked about who are the young guys with heart that are now been around for a while. And then you have a lot that have moved on and some that are coming back. I, I mean, Ali's coming back mm-hmm. in April. So, I mean, that's one thing. You, Samurai Del Sol, Kalisto, like, you know, again, guys like that. You can tell how important their roots are to where where they started. And just like me being a Minnesota guy, you see that. It's also the first time that I experienced like a WrestleMania weekend. You know, like, I didn't know how big that was, the shows that were surrounding. But when I was at We're No Joke uh, in 2006, Midland, mm-hmm. and 500, 600 people were there for that. I was like, this is insane. And then I was a huge Dragon Gate fan. Not that I really, I mean, by my style, you wouldn't be able to tell that I would be able to, I, I can't do the stuff that like Dragon Kid and Shima can do and all that stuff. But uh, that was a, you know, that that was the Chicago Fieldhouse. That was the six man, the Dragon Gate six man that like blew everyone's mind. And I was there live for that. So my perception to what wrestling could be, because remember, I'm growing up in Minnesota where I got these guys who are like, don't move fast, don't make me move fast. And the funny thing is, is now I can say this because those guys were 20 years in trying to give me great advice that honestly, some of it I've never used. And it seems to work out pretty well for me on my own. But, you know, and then I was seeing these guys, these younger guys, these guys doing all this stuff and like this different crowd, this different gimmicks, all this stuff. And I realized that there was a different world out there. And so Chicago, to me, was a way for me to broaden my horizons and kind of dive into a little deeper end of the pool, you know, like and and put myself out there. Because the match that I use as an example, I watched in TPI, I watched uh, Claudio Castagnoli and Brian Danielson wrestle a match. And I watched Danielson just turn his head while he was in like an ankle hold. And the crowd just started, I was like, with the turn of his head, he had an entire crowd. I want to be that good someday. I thought it was amazing, all that stuff. So Chicago was enlightening, opened my eyes. And I have family that's been through there. So it was a great way for me to kind of make it an extended home, I guess. Now let's talk a little bit about Minnesota. You mentioned the AWA before. There's been so many great talents that have come from there. Ravishing Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect. You mentioned Jerry Lynn earlier on in the show. Even the modern talents like the Davari brothers and Chad Gable as well as yourself. So how do you think Minnesota talent compares with some of the other wrestling hotbeds across the country? So for a long time, I thought Minnesota was overlooked just because I felt like it was on an island all to itself. We had really solid talent, but they just seemed like we were in a vacuum. Like no one would catch it. A long time ago, I had somebody who said to me, he asked me, he was a local guy. We used to do tag matches together a lot. And he was like, could you imagine if WWE was scouting the talent that they were now and they were hiring independent guys back in like 2007, 2008, we would have an opportunity. And to me, I mean, it's ambitious thinking, but like, remember at that time, you still had AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, you know, like those guys were still on the Indies. Like those guys were getting, like getting the notoriety. Mm -hmm. But with that said, what would have happened if maybe Minnesota had a little bit more 
eyes on it. You know, like if people used it as a destination to kind of come through, because everyone always says Minneapolis is a wrestling city. Like every, there's no denying, even to this day, right now, there are, I think the last time, if I calculated semi-regular, just in the metro area, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, we literally have like 10 to 12 promotions that are around here. So to me, watching it and, and and being with First Wrestling and watching it start from, you know, humble beginnings and grow and actually being something that people hear outside of that bubble, I felt broke that mold, which was great. But there were so many solid talents, some of the best guys that I have been in the ring and could hold an audience and, and just sheer natural talent. You mentioned Chad Gable and like, I was, I was blown away. And like, when you're in the ring with somebody like that, who knows obviously way more about, <laughs> like, I mean, like, let's face it, he's a state wrestling champion, Olympian, all that stuff. Man, it's humbling. It's, it's impressive. I always thought Arya Davari in my, in my mind, I was like, it, it just, if anybody wants to take a chance on cruiserweights, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he can talk. He's got the he's got the appeal. He looks the part. He was one of the guys that clearly looked the part. And then all of a sudden, here comes a cruiserweight classic. And I can't say that I'm a prophet by any means on this, but perfect opportunity. You just had to be at the right place at the right time. And when he started, that wasn't there. That's where when Jerry Lynn talks longevity, perfect. But you have these options where guys, if they do want to get out and they want to do that, that's awesome. And like, yes, I love Minnesota now. I love the scene. I love being here. I love being able to wrestle close by. You mentioned, you know, Rick Rude and, and, and you know, Kurt Hennings and all that stuff. I live in Robbinsdale. Like, I'm right on the border of Robbinsdale. I'm right by the school that they all went to. Like, when I moved to the Twin Cities, there was a place in Robbinsdale that because it was Robbinsdale, that's why I picked it up. Like, there was that. And so for me now to be here and kind of moving into like a new, uh, kind of a new generation, I guess, but me being like an older guy in that sense, uh, it's cool for me to see how things have evolved, how things have changed. And it's also, for a long time, it was always Cannon, myself, Ryan Cruz, and Aria were the only four who really tried to travel and get out. And now you do have a bunch of young guys that will pop up from time to time or try different styles. There's a there's a couple of guys who come through here that, you know, well, I mean, let's face it, Top Flight's doing pretty well on AEW. So we got that. That's I mean, that's kind of my exception to the rule anyway. I mean, like, that's another one where I was like, oh, these athletic kids who are really young and really good at what they do. Yeah, it's not going to take long before they get picked up. But for the guys who wanted to try like a deathmatch thing, it's there. For guys who want to be brawlers, it's there. Guys who want to do a character, have different gimmicks, it's there. It's not just the cookie cutter stuff, that style that was when I started. Because a lot of people look down on cruiserweights. And now it seems that at least a lot of the a lot of the guys, that's been the way to go. And they're not actually the smallest guys on the scene anymore. So uh I do enjoy Minnesota. I do appreciate what has changed over 20 years. I think the scene is obviously better now than it was when I started. And I, and I think that there's a lot of people who really make that a reality and will continue to, even if I never wrestled a match tomorrow, there's a lot of guys that would be in good hands and it it would continue to go, but it's really fun to have something that you can be proud of 
because uh, you know again first wrestling's doing shows at the mall of america like that's unheard of so uh to be a part of that is it, that's pretty cool and it's not lost on me. i always appreciate that yeah first episode of wsw nitro was at the mall of america and I, you know, and that's the thing, like, I remember watching that. And then I remember going to the mall. I grew up, I grew up three and a half hours in a small town away from the Twin Cities. But when we would come to the Mall of America, you know, like being the wrestling fan that I was, I'd be like, this is where it was. This is where it was. And then you fast forward and that's where I'm wrestling. And so like, that's the cool thing about how life takes you in different paths. Absolutely. And speaking of paths and roads, you've been up and down the roads with Eric Cannon from the days of breaking into the business to second wrestling and many places in between. So your thoughts on Eric Cannon? Uh, okay. So I, uh, I, I guess if I have to say something positive, my deal with Cannon is this. He's my trainer. He got my foot in the door at a lot of places. That was the, the the goal. He wrestled for a lot of places that I wanted to wrestle. The places I read in PWI magazine, he was there. He did Chikara. He did IWA. He did CZW. I wanted to go to those places. He said, as long as I didn't mess it up, not in those words or a little bit more harsh, but he said he would help get my, help get my foot in the door. It was up to me to keep it. So, uh, Basically, I guess I never asked. Am I? What's the rating on here as far as uh, vulgarity? Is it? Uh, uh, you can throw some swears out once in a while. Yeah, just don't be Rip Rogers or Jim Cornette. Gotcha. Well, basically, he said when you fuck it up, you stay home. <laughs> Let's go with that. So, <laughs> anyway, um, so the deal was is I learned a lot in those times, but my theory was is I was always ambitious where. I could have just been the guy who travels with Eric Cannon and many guys around here like Cannon is the pinnacle at uh, in Minnesota scene. But I didn't want to just be number two. I always want to be up there, too. And while we had a tag run or while we were like student and trainer, like you can only be trainer and student, teacher and student for so long, like baby birds got to leave the nest. And I never felt like I was going to get that opportunity unless I made it happen. And that's what I did. So long story short, when I made the decision to cut loose from basically my past, I, I ended the North Star Express. I, uh, uh, I split from Eric Cannon. I was no longer interested in allowing Eric Cannon to profit off of me as a prized pupil. I was going to blaze my own, uh, own path. The biggest compliment that I've ever gotten in relation to Eric Cannon and myself. Now we have been a part of some of the bigger moments in Minnesota wrestling, which is a big part, but Tommy dreamer himself said that we are the Midwest version of dreamer and, and Raven everywhere we go, we fight everywhere we go. We do it. And, and again, we've had the match at the mall of America. We've had, you know, hardcore matches, street fights, championship matches. I won the IWA Mid-South Championship off of him. We've won tag team championships together. We've turned on each other. We have left each other high and dry. Like, look, it's a volatile relationship, and that's how it works. And you go to work. You don't have to like your coworkers. I don't care for Eric Cannon anymore. The biggest thing is, is I will, uh, what he's done, what he did for me did is good, but don't forget that I've made a lot of things happen for myself that I didn't need him for. 
And so that is the part that I've always been trying to stress. And like so many guys worry about breaking out of a shadow or whatever. And I never felt that because I always knew that I was a different kind of entertainer than he was. And I continue to get better, better, better. And look, Everyone looks at Canon as kind of like a godfather type figure here. And that, and when you're a godfather, you got to step away. But I keep stepping ahead. So will this feud ever end? Probably the only time that it will ever end is when one of us is done wrestling. But I don't see us ever having a pleasant, resolved, happy ending. Not going to happen. I don't care for those moments. It's too cliche. I... Love everything I've gained, not dealing with canon. I'm going to continue to do that. I don't need him back. And so that's where I stand. But you know what? I got to give credit. He's a great talent. And that's why when he taught me, I picked up on a lot of things, but I continued to learn. I didn't, I didn't just stay content. That's the deal. That's what I had over a lot of the guys from Minnesota in the past 20 years. Now on to something even bigger, maybe something that has potential profit for you. You are a contestant on Fox's all-new primetime game show event, The Floor, where mm-hmm. 81 contestants compete in trivia duels until one contestant claims the entire floor, taking home the grand prize of $250,000. And now, the show debuted this past week, and you were close to being picked off the bat, but you didn't get a chance to be on stage as of yet as seven contestants were eliminated on night one. And... There was another surprise wrestling connection on the show as well, as Selena Della Renta, under her shoot name, Natalia, was one of the contestants who actually got to play, and she survived the first night. So what do you think of night one of the floor and your experience there? Nerve-wracking. Like, I don't want to be the first of anything. I, like when the when the randomizer lit up in front of me, I was like, "Oh come on!" Because like everyone cereals, like look, I know a lot about cereals. That's I I almost grabbed a box before we did this just to have it because I figured why not. But when it lit up in front of me, I was shocked that I did not get challenged. I didn't want to be the first one. I didn't want to get challenged by anybody. Uh, I, I didn't want to be like, for example, the first one to lose their category, the first one to uh, have to decide if they're going to pass or whatever. Uh, I kind of wanted to see how the game was played. So I was okay stepping back, but I felt like I was, I felt like I was always being gunned for, you know, like there's always a risk you could get chosen. Um, the funny thing is, is you mentioned Selena. Now wrestling circles are interesting because I know I, I knew of Selena Del Renta from MLW. I, I'm mm-hmm. friends with Hammerstone. And so like I followed a lot of like my friends who were at MLW. So I saw her name pop up. But the funny thing was, is when I was there, I'm, I'm on the show. And actually, here's an example. I'm in hair and makeup. I'm getting everything done. They're trying to make this all look pretty and blah, blah, blah. So I'm getting ready. And they're like, so what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pro wrestler. That's actually what I do. And da, 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 da. And they go, oh, do you know the other pro wrestler on the show? And before I could even ask, I was kind of like looking around and they were like, yeah, that girl with the, the blue hair. And I and I was like, who? And so I had no idea. I would go on to find out later that that was Selena. And I was like, that's Selena? I never met her. Like I said, similar circles, but never crossed. So that was the first time I actually got to meet her. Now, 
in my opinion, pro wrestlers are amazing team. Let's just go with that. Like we, uh, the personality, the competitiveness, we are built for this. Plus we're really good at when we need to know something, we can strategize. So that was the biggest thing. And it goes without showing Selena advanced, like no problem. I mean, like, and I, and she would have done what I did. You know, I would have passed just to see how the rest of the floor played out. But uh, yeah, it was just interesting that you have to like somebody that you never quite met. You have to, you know, like something like this is where you end up like meeting, not even in a wrestling ring, but on something completely different. So how did you get on this show? Was there some sort of casting call? Uh, there was. Um, so the, the deal was, is I actually, you know, I, I jokingly say it's all about who you know. But uh, what it was is I got tipped off on something for a previous show. And I, I did, I actually auditioned for that. And I did not get it. So, it, so when the opportunity came up, I was told about another show, and I was, which was The Floor. So the deal was, is I was already kind of familiar. And one of the people who was also there that I had talked to was now doing stuff for The Floor. So they remembered me from my last audition. That's how I got in. So the, the thing was, is I wasn't really sure. I'm not like a trivia guy. I don't go to like bar trivia. I don't do anything like that. So I, di I didn't really know if I, if this would be for like for me. So I, I did it. I did the audition, did like the introductory, trying to see like how my trivia knowledge was. And I always joke, I know a lot about a little. So I have a variety of like random knowledge and it seemed to work out. And I, and I really think that they liked what I brought as, again, being a pro wrestler, like I'm a 90s kid. So like that, you know, like it's intriguing. And when you look at the variety, this whole, everybody on the show, so many cool different backgrounds, so many cool different, you know, like what people are involved in, what brings them here. And so like, I was looking around going, like when I think trivia and you go to like a local like trivia, whatever, you have an idea kind of like in your mind what the demographic was. This was a variety of people. But when you start talking to them and you're like, oh, you really know your, you know, like you, you really know what this is. So that was cool. I honestly did not expect to make it past uh, everything because again, I'm not like a, I'm not like a take home trivia trophy grand prize kind of guy. And I figured that's what everybody on the show would be. But uh, when I made it through and I realized how, I, I did do and how the floor worked. I was like, Oh, I might. That's how you have the chance. Cause you just, you gotta do it's all who you are playing against. And again, there's 81 categories, but you're not going to play all 81. So like you just, it's, it, you just never know how it all boils down. Cause right now there are categories off that board where thank God I did not have to play those categories. Cause I would not have, but there's some categories I would have done bad a uh, lot better. So uh, that's how I look at it. But again, like I said, playing along on the board itself, when they bring up like, uh, you know, in the, the first episode, how they said, like, finish the books. And I was like, I'm not really a book reader. But man, my like English class knowledge that I had, I, I was pretty good on that. So I was like, I would do good there. But when it was like, was it like famous actors or something like that? I think it was A-listers. Nah, not very good at that one. So like, I, I would have done way better at one category or, 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 or another if I had to challenge somebody. But luckily, the randomizer stayed away from me. So that was good. So I live another day. 
So have you had a chance when you were behind the scenes there? Did you get a chance to talk to Rob Lowe at all? Not really. Uh, it was very brief. Got to say, got to introduce. Uh, most of the interactions were when you're actually on the floor, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's great. But based on what I can say, uh, based on everything, great, really professional, did a great job. I thought he looked like he was excited to be a part of it. And also I thought he did a really good job handling man 81 different you know like getting to interact and pull up you know it was great so i think he was a good host for this i thought it really worked out well and you can catch new episodes of the floor hosted by 911 lone stars rob Lowe every tuesday night at 9 p.m eastern 8 p.m central time on fox and hopefully we'll be seeing darren corbin on there very soon in terms of being part of the game and actually playing on the stage well somebody's gonna come for serials i know i know somebody's coming for serials but they're not gonna get very far against it. yeah get your cap and crunch ready <laughs> Always. All, right. all right you've made darren corbin a household name because of your great online presence and on social media You've got some entertaining content on your YouTube channel with This Is Corbin Center and Snapchat. I've seen so many wrestlers just go through the motions, go from show to show, but you know how to market yourself, promote your brand, which in turn helps to hype shows and companies for which you work. So what do you say to some of these talents who don't take that opportunity to market themselves in this way? Oh, the, the thing that I always tell people is, and let me give you a great example of what I see now everyone is brand new year and everyone is coming out with their now accepting bookings in 2024. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. It's promotions you've wrestled for how many years in it's a photo of you now taking bookings in 2024, willing to travel, have a passport. If you're a pro wrestler, I sure freaking hope you're willing to do all that. Come on. Like, while people are putting out these graphics, hoping people are going to just like, oh, that guy, oh, that guy, I'm messaging. I'm trying to make a presence for myself and trying to find ways to hype, like you said. The one thing that I have always done with myself, I'm so glad I never pigeonholed myself into being something that I'm not. I always wanted to take a chance. I looked at a world around me and I looked at since day one, what is everyone doing? And I tried to not do that. Remember, 2004, when I broke in, Steve Austin just retired. Everybody, everybody wanted to be the next Steve Austin. Every indie show that I feel like I did till 2007, there was some guy, actually, the first three matches at least had somebody in either jean shorts, black tights, jacket, and bald. And it like, and sometimes there were multiple of these guys on each match. I was like, you know what? No one's, no one's doing on these shows. No one is trying to be the dork. And that's how I became my role at IWA. That was it. Everyone was a deathmatch guy. Everyone was a badass. Yeah, I went a different When I started doing Snapchat specifically, I got to be honest, I never had the intent of really using it to promote shows per se my thought this is and it's funny how far it's come from this but my original thought was it would be a very film noir version of the inner monologue that you have as a pro wrestler yes i thought that this would be a really deep thought that i could always do but then when i learned that i could use it 
And comedy is definitely a standpoint of mine, or at least having that satire. So when I thought that I could use this in such a way to uh, enhance upcoming shows, it was better than a promo. The amount of people who use their cell phones, you know, like cell phones like this in the car, filming everything, like everybody does that. Uh, the amount of times where people can't even be bothered to fix the background that's behind them. It's just like their kitchen or something like that. No, I, I tried to always make things look different. And I was a film uh, and TV, uh, film major, TV minor, TV production minor. So I really enjoyed video editing. I always did. So the, the biggest thing is, is this gave me an opportunity to be creative. And in lulls or little spurts where I wasn't wrestling as frequent, it at least allowed me to put content out. Because for better or worse, stuff that's on the internet stays on the internet for a while. You know, like, I had so many people, <laughs> this is the joke I always made. I would wrestle a match, still be in my gear. And some kid would come up to me at a show and be like, did you wrestle today? Like, mind is like nanoseconds. <laughs> but if you put something online or you do something online, it stays. And people can digest that content at their own free will. And just much like how streaming sites are, or even in the case of The Floor being on Hulu, eh, plug in the show. Uh, but you can watch it at your own convenience. So this is Corbin Center allows me to talk about shows where I have coming up and key points that I think might have gotten missed on the overall. And again, I always jokingly say, if nobody ever watched my content, I would probably still put it out just for the sole purpose of the creative outlet, the practice, so on and so forth. And who knows, maybe somebody will discover something that I've done way down the road and it will get more appreciation. It does, I, I don't do it to go viral. That's, that's the thing. I, I do it because I want to put content out there for people to enjoy. And the more stuff that you have in a, like I have a 20 year career. I've kept track of every single match I've ever had from day one. So the idea that I can create content and have it be relevant and go back and revisit a promo that I did nine years ago for God knows where in North Dakota is a cool little Easter egg on things. But while everyone's doing generic promos with the same cliche lines, I'm arguing with my consultant over whether or not I should have taken this booking, where I'm doing this. How is this big opportunity playing into my life? And here we are, 300 plus episodes later of weekly content that I've done. And my Patreon, I try to put out something new every single day, uh, whether it's an update, whether it's a photo that people might not have seen, whatever it might be. I just always try and do something that's there because it allows me to kind of keep my brain creative and stay ahead. And I'm not one to, I never was one to worry about failure. I will change things up. I just changed up the format of Corbin Center because I felt this is stale to me. So on This is Corbin Center, I changed it. I changed the way that I, I do, I film it. I changed the way I talk about it. It's more digestible, I feel. I like it and I hope other people do. I get the ideas of what works and what doesn't. And, th and that's the big thing. And then you modify it. You just change it. And a lot of guys are afraid to do that. And that's okay. It's fine if you're afraid. But like, trust me, you, you do it, you fail, you pay it off, you fix it. And it could be way better than you ever expected. And honestly, when I talk about the content that I make, it's more fulfilling to me in the long run because it gives me something that I can hang on to. And now like there's 
this weird thing of me where I've thought about it, where I'm like, what happens when I do the last episode ever of Snapchat? Like, it's something so, it's just something so personal for me, but it's going to be emotional for me to be like, you don't do this anymore. It used to be a thing that you did every week going on five years. And now, you know, and it's just like, you think of all those loose ends or how sentimental it is. And that's the part that if it resonates with me, I hope it resonates with fans. In addition to 20 years of in-ring competition, you will be turning 40 years old this year. So what do you feel that you still want to accomplish in your 40s? Oh my God. So I thought it was really funny. This is a conversation that I've been having where people just are like, so now that you're 40, right? Like you, like people will say something to me that are like, didn't you say you were going to stop wrestling? Like it, like it's almost feels like gaslighting. I was like, I never said that. Like I never said I was going to be done at 40. I said I would be done when it's no longer fun and my body can't take it anymore. That's what I said. And I actually feel great. I feel better now than I did probably 10 years ago. And I'm still having a blast. I feel I'm in more control of what I do. Here's, oh, so here's the part. I have these weird goals, but like they've shifted. And like, of course, like I have these little ones that are fun, like checking off new states that I've ever wrestled. I have a, I have a one that's coming up real soon. Uh, I'm going to be hitting 1400 matches that uh, very soon. Then does it go, 1500 matches do i try and wrestle overseas again do i try and like i've done a lot of stuff i feel like under the radar that might not be detected like when people are like do you ever want to wrestle on national tv technically i did i I wrestled for six months on pop tv and even though the time slot was not great i had a lot of fun doing that that's some of the most fun shows i've ever done fun character arcs ever i love places where i can go and get to immerse myself. That that's fun. What if a uh, what if I have a great opportunity to develop a feud somewhere, build up a company, do all this stuff? Or in the case of like when we started first wrestling, we never thought we would wrestle at the Mall of America. Now the funny goal is, like I said a long time ago, like the guys who were forty who would tell me they're like slow down, you'll never make it to this, da 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 da, and I've surpassed that expectation by far, and. Now I'm kind of like, when people are like, I can't believe you're 40. I can't believe you're doing this. Now I just want to keep proving I'm wrong. Like, but do I go to like Terry Funk age? Is that just, does it get weird? Uh, like if I try and keep pushing that? Um, so it's like, I, I I don't know. I feel like I will, hopefully will know when it's time to hang it up. I don't want to overstay my wealth. That's the biggest thing. I don't want people to be like, oh man, we really like Darren. He was, he's a great person, but like, man, he can't cut it anymore. And, and I don't want to have people watch my matches and feel sorry for me. I don't, I would, I like, uh, somebody should just old yeller. You know, like, I don't want that. Um, but there's a lot of things like little things that I really enjoy a little, a lot of things that wrestling has brought me. And, uh, you know, like I said, I always wanted to travel and see the world. And if I'm allowed to be able to see certain things and, wrestle alongside those spots that that would be a big opportunity for me so i don't have too many set goals like i said the checking the states off yeah you know every every year i got a couple of people that i would love to have matches with or whatever 
I always jokingly said someday, somewhere, I will have the two out of three falls battle royal where it's literally a battle royal start with 20 or 30 guys, but you have to win two of them and individually win two of them. So it could be a real long night, but there's just stuff like that. Like uh, I just, I really enjoy all the things that wrestling's brought to me and I just want to keep being fun and being positive influence on the shows I'm at. All right, Darren, last thing before we let you go, go ahead and plug your social media. And I think you've got pretty much everything other than maybe only fans, merchandise yeah. at upcoming events. Yeah, I haven't quite figured out what my uh, what my demographic would be for OnlyFans yet. So until that time. Um, anyway, first of all, uh, if anyone wants to know more of, uh, first of all, YouTube is the is a good one. I have my YouTube channel. It's just Darren Corbin TV. You can go and find me on there. Uh, obviously, I put out weekly content there. But for uh, if you want to go and follow me more in depth or be a part of like my journey, I always say Patreon's the best. I have a wonderful community at Patreon. I love everybody who supports. They ask me great questions. I do a lot of Q and A's there. Uh, I'm going to be doing some like Zoom, like interactive stuff there too, which will be fun, like watch alongs and whatnot. Twitter at Darren Corbin. Instagram at Darren Corbin. If you found this entertaining and you love the way that I talk and you want one of the contestants from the floor to send a special message to a special someone, I also have Cameo and I've been doing a couple of those and they've been wild. So just look for Darren Corbin on there. Just search me there. That one's fun. I've been doing a lot of those. Uh, but also, uh, you know, obviously I have my Teespring store, which is great and, and all that stuff. So I'm on TikTok. Uh, I do some stuff there. Uh, that's just at Darren Corbin as well. So anything I can encourage, those are the main spots where you can find. And upcoming events. Uh, all right. So next week I got back-to-back Palooza's, which will be great. I always look forward to those events. It's going to be wild. Some of the names that are going to be dropped on those. Uh, January's slow. I'm okay with that. After last year, I'm okay with it. We talked about second wrestling. Uh, I have uh, Effie at second wrestling. I'll be back at Freelance. Don't worry. Freelance is just running the same day as Palooza, so I have to be at Palooza, but I will be at Freelance in 2024, so I'll be there. I am going out to Las Vegas for the Level Up Convention in April, which is an event that I really like. I'm hoping for more events with FSCW and GalaxyCon. Can't quite say yet. Just want to wait on those, but keep track of the uh, GalaxyCon events there. And I have obviously a couple local things with like a, a higher ground uh, pro wrestling and then battleground uh, pro wrestling battle in minneapolis so a lot of those are super fun i really enjoy those but those are some of the spots that you can see me and i'm guessing when the summer rolls around probably will be busier than i would expect at 40 but here we go darren corbin thank you so much for being part of windy city slam podcast and good luck on the floor thank you so much thank you for having me I had such a great time talking to Darren Corbin, and he definitely has the gift of gab. He's got a lot of great stories. He's been around for 20 years. He loves to get under people's skin, and he's a social media maven. He's just everywhere, and and this guy is so ultra-talented and a huge get here on Windy City Slam Podcast. And thanks once again to Darren Corbin, despite the fact that he does ruffle the feathers of Second Wrestling and Rabbi Fine. (laughs) 
All right, next week we're going to talk local and national wrestling. Plus, we will welcome a guest to be determined as we're working on getting a couple of different people now. And hopefully we'll have that announcement later this week. Catch all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody.